This is Eric Luby, pastor of the church at Ellerslie in Windsor, Colorado. The ministry of Ellerslie endeavors to once again see triumphant Christianity stride upon the stage of time, to see the church of Jesus Christ built strong to stand immovable in these times of sinking sand. We hope this podcast is an encouragement to your soul. If you would like to stream live or visit us in person or even support us financially, please go to ellersley.com to learn more. You know, as we uh, start today, uh, I need to sort of bring in anyone who is going to be hearing this via podcast or via stream. And we just, for those of us present, just witnessed something rather beautiful. And it's not something new to me, technically. I've seen uh, His Little Feet concerts for years, and this was a little mini. Uh, it was a last-minute thing that we uh, threw together, and uh, His Little Feet didn't have something in uh, this morning, and so they wanted to know if they could just show up for our service, and who would ever turn away uh, this? So then that turned into a little mini uh, concert, and to even call it a concert is an inappropriate term for it. Uh, to even call it just a worship service is not exactly, it's not a normal worship service to us either, but it is. Worship is by far the best description for it, but it was just beautiful. And so I, I've been a little unstable emotionally uh, ever since I watched it coming into this, so I'm hoping that uh, Eric sort of uh, has his composure together as I deliver this message, which has everything to do with what we uh, just witnessed. And I think that's one of the things that's very beautiful for me is just seeing how God has set up this Sunday morning, I think is a gift for all of us. Uh, and uh, so we have 18 kids uh, here in town with the His Little Feet Choir uh, from Rwanda and India. And they've been here since, what was it, fall of 2019. And because of COVID, and this is an interesting statement, because of COVID, they would have returned home June of, of this year, 2020, but because of COVID, they're going to be staying for another season. And, you know, there's, there's beautiful things about that and probably challenging things about that, but I'm going to focus on the beautiful side of that, and that is that we get you guys here for another year. And it's not just like we here in, in, at Ellerslie, but we. And there is something beautiful about the coming together of your strengths and just the way you work together is just so beautiful. And I think we've never seen a two-year choir to see the, the power of it. And so I'm very, very excited uh, for that. So this message is, uh, don't even know how to give you a description. Everything about it's a little different. You even notice the shape of my uh, keynote slides or the old school square shape. Uh, I, I haven't had an old keynote that I, I used as my template because it was really hard to put something together that I did for His Little Feet multiple years ago. And so I talked with Mike about it and I was like, let's, let's do this. And basically what it is, is it's integrating the His Little Feet choir into a message. And so what message would be the best one to integrate the His Little Feet choir into but the message of the gospel? And so this is a very, very fun message. I think uh, all of you will really enjoy it uh, because your faces are going to be in it. Isn't that fun? Uh-huh. 
And so this is really one of those messages that if you're getting it via podcast, you're going to uh, say, okay, I obviously need to see this one. Uh, this is, so much of this is, is visual because I'm going to walk you through how I share the gospel uh, with an eight and, a half, eight, eight and a half by 11 uh, inch sheet of paper. And, uh, and so as I do that, I'm going to integrate in uh, the His Little Feet Choir, okay, into this. I know, I know, it doesn't make any sense uh, at first, but that's... Uh, if, if you understood the whole thing before I began, we wouldn't even need to give the message, right? So this is called Washing the Little Feet. And we're in a series, which I actually thought I was done last week, but I threw, threw another one in. And this just happened to fit. And ironically, before I even put this message together, I was reading Deuteronomy 10 and meditating upon it. And it was talking about the pattern for when the Israelites take the new land, the territory of Canaan, how they are supposed to set up their government, how they're supposed to set up their society, how they're supposed to set up this nation so that it has the blessing of God upon it. One of the critical dimensions of a nation that has the blessing of God upon it is it must care for its weaker members. It must care for the orphan and the widow in its ranks. How we handle our weaker members actually is going to define whether the judgment of God comes or the blessing of God comes. Very simply, and that's what we're going to see in Deuteronomy 10. And so as a result, in this series, which has been on Deuteronomy, I you know, might as well make it official that it's on Deuteronomy still, because I made it a part of the series. Look at it, the Shadow Nation Rises Part 8. Okay? So this will have something to do with it, even though it's somewhat of a force fit. Okay? All right, Deuteronomy 10, 12 through 21. Now Israel, what does the Lord your God require from you but to fear the Lord your God, to walk in all his ways and love him? And to serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and to keep the Lord's commandments and his statutes which I am commanding you today for your good. Behold to the Lord your God belong heaven and the highest heavens, the earth and all that is in it. Yet on your fathers did the Lord set his affection to love them and he chose their descendants after them even so above all peoples as it is this day. So out of all the people of this earth, God chose the Israelites. I mean, what a, what a unique choice. And if you studied the Israelites, you'd wonder, why did God choose them? And yet, in Christianity, we have a similar marvel. Above all, he has chosen us. <laughs> and if you've studied us, you would wonder why he has chosen us. It's a similar thing, where God doesn't just choose us because we're the brightest, we're the strongest, we're the fastest, we're the loveliest. Why he chooses us is hard to describe. But he has gone out of his way and introduced himself to probably every single one of us in this room. And it's very humbling to recognize that the God of the universe, the creator of the heavens and the earth, has gone out of his way to choose us. So, as a result of this, circumcise your heart and stiffen your neck no longer. For the Lord your God is the God of gods and the Lord of lords, the great, the mighty, and the awesome God who does not show partiality nor take a bribe. Isn't that an interesting statement? God doesn't take a bribe. Most of us have never thought that he did, right? But it's a fascinating statement. God doesn't take a bribe. Listen to this. He executes justice for the orphan and the widow, and he shows his love for the alien, that's the foreigner, by giving him food in clothing. So show your love for the alien, the foreigner. For you were aliens in the land of Egypt. 
You shall fear the Lord your God. You shall serve him and cling to him, and you shall swear by his name. He is your praise, and he is your God, who has done these great and awesome things for you, which your eyes have seen. So as we enter into this land of promise, if we're in the book of Deuteronomy, as the Israelite nation, what we want to do is have a behavior that is like God. We were foreigners once, and so now when foreigners come into our midst, let's take care of them. The way we should have been taken care of when we were foreigners, let's take care of the way God has taken care of us. And a special assignment is given, and God goes out of his way to notate this special assignment all throughout the Bible, that when you are beginning a new work, don't forget the poor in your ranks. How, if you're going to establish this new work or this new kingdom and this new nation in this sense, well, then don't forsake the little ones or the weaker ones. How you handle the weaker is going to define the trajectory of your entire operation. So if you overlook them, you will notice that your entire operation will lack the blessing of God. But where you care for them and you take care of them, God's blessings will come. So a few of you still remain from the uh, marriage and motherhood weekend retreat. And very, very special weekend, and obviously meditating on marriage and motherhood, there are some weaker elements that need to be remembered in that mix, and that is the children. There's models of raising families that overlook the children and just sort of say they, they, they can be present, but they need to be quiet. You know, uh, you know we, we, we don't necessarily want a voice from those children heard in this home. And all of us as parents, we, we, can, we can remember those thoughts going through our head at different times. It'd be a lot easier if they didn't make any noise, but kids have a tendency to make noise. But to actually have a special value on your children and to not overlook that and how a parent handles their children and the value they set there is going to define either the blessing or the judgment of that home. And so in all these situations, how we handle the weaker is of great importance. So October 23rd, when I was putting this message together, uh, October 23rd of 2020, I don't know if that, that's probably not the right date. It should have said of, two, of 2014, uh, but... That was 2020, October 23rd, when I was writing this. But this was, to the Ludi family, that's the homecoming. Reese and Lily came home. Uh, and so from uh, Haiti, they're both from Haiti, for those of you that don't know. And we have four adopted kids, and uh, two being from Haiti. And this, that Haitian adoption was a very, very challenging one. And for those of you that are familiar with what we went through, it was 29 months of great trial and great tribulation. And so the homecoming was extra special. And when Reese and Lily came home, I tell you what, it was tears, laughter, joy, uh, unbounded. Uh, so I have a little picture on the left of Reese and Lily in Haiti, and then I have a picture on the right of Reese and Lily here in Windsor with us. And just to, uh, you know, to, to even reflect upon what God has done is very, very special in our lives. And to recognize the things that we go through, that God will turn them for good. And there's a lot of pain uh, that took place in and through that adoption. And here's a, here's a simple rule of thumb. There's a lot of pain anytime you stand for the weak. Uh, you know, which is why many of us want to avoid it. You know, and I don't, I'm not looking for pain and discomfort and inconvenience in my life. 
And so as a result, just stay away from the orphan and the widow then, guys. I'm going to give you a rule of thumb. If you don't want challenge in your life, focus on self. That's the, that's the lesson of the ages, right? But if you want to live a godly life, if you want to do what God would do if he was in your body, if you want to please him and have his blessing upon your life, then you have to be willing to get uncomfortable. And, you know, it's interesting because even for Leslie and I, in the adoption of recent Lily, because of the trauma that we went through in that adoption, there's a hesitancy to consider adopting again. You guys know what I mean by that? It's sort of like, well, God, I'm glad that we did that. Praise God. And I'm glad you turned it for good. But please don't ask me to do that again. And so there's another rule of thumb in life is that you can stand up and do what God would do in this body once, maybe even twice, maybe even three times. But then the fourth time, you find yourself coming up with reasons to hold back again. You see, the Christian life is one that is given and not just once, not just twice, not just three times, but every time God asks. And to do that, I just want to let you know, to do that, you need something beyond yourself. Even to do it once, you need something beyond yourself, let alone the fourth or fifth or sixth time. And that is something known as the Holy Spirit. You see, when we dig into our own pockets to try and be bold and to do good things for Jesus, we're going to fall on our face. You see, we mean well, just like Peter did when he says, I'll die with you, Jesus, tonight. And Peter, or Jesus sort of looks at him like, you have no idea what you're talking about. You see, for you to follow me tonight you need something you don't have. <laughs> so before the cock crows, uh, you will have denied me three times. And that's the same thing he could say to all of us. You're like, I want to help the orphan. I want to help the widow. I want to help the weak. I want to help the foreigner in the land. It's a good desire, just like Peter's desire to stand with Jesus. However, there's something that Peter needed. It's called Pentecost. Peter needed God to invade his life and to take this body and make it his body. So that these hands were no longer just Peter's hands, they were Christ's hands. These feet, his feet. These eyes, now the eyes of Christ. This mind, the mind of Christ. This mouth, the mouth of Christ. This heart, the heart of Christ. This is supposed to be the body of Christ. Not just the body of Eric. It may be called Eric, but it's supposed to be the body of Christ. This, we all have individual names, but together we actually represent the body of Christ. How does that work? It's because the Holy Spirit dwells within us and causes us to function in a way that we can't in our own human strength. When we get to the topic of the inconvenience, every single one of us in here esteems noble behavior. But we don't necessarily always live noble lives. And that is because we are missing the spiritual nobility we are digging in our own pockets saying, God, I want to find some nobility and I want to show you that I have it. And God says, I already know you don't have it, so how about we just get honest about it and you just acknowledge that you are depleted and you need a savior. So you're saying, I can't be noble in and of myself? That's right. But in Christ, you can be noble. In Christ, you have access to all that is noble that it could live within you and animate this body to actually do that which Christ would do. So, ironically, that message that I'm giving you is all found in what we know as the gospel. And the gospel, though we've been around the block as Christians, and you could say, oh, I know the gospel. It 
never hurts to refresh your understanding of the gospel. And so for me, one of my passions is periodically just to give the gospel, just to share the grand message and the triumph of Jesus Christ afresh and say, turn your gaze there. Refresh your covenant with him. Refresh your faith in him. It's not gonna hurt us, okay, guys? So that's what this is. This is, if we're gonna wash those little feet, we need to first have our feet washed by the shed blood of Jesus. So this is an incredible picture uh, to me of the gospel. That a father in heaven, now whether or not our father in heaven looks like that with, uh, you know, he's a good looking guy, right? But I, I, that's not my mental picture of the father in heaven, right? But, you know, uh, and I, I probably Googled something when I got this picture of father kissing foot. I'm not sure where I got how I found this. But I really like the picture because if you recognize that those are our feet, right? And they're little cute pudgy feet. You know, they're little baby feet. But they have a purpose. God desires to equip, and first of all, we're gonna recognize that he's going to equip the feet of Jesus to go into this world and to preach good news. He is going to, why, why feet? Why are feet mentioned with the proclamation of good news? It's an interesting statement, but it's because without those feet, you're stuck. Those feet are what move you forward into dangerous territory so that this body can project the glory of God. And so God's kissing our feet, saying, I love these little feet. And in a sense, he wants us to fall in love with those little feet too. So this is dedicated to the special children from the His Little Feet International Children's Choir, 2019 through 2021. Have you guys had a message dedicated to you? I could just hear you guys going, yeah, all the time. <laughs> all right, so they're on the screen, and each of the kids can find themselves up there. Okay, it's in alphabetical order, so it shouldn't be that difficult, right? And each of the kids is going to have a name uh, that is given to them, and it's a little difficult even for me to read from this point. Uh, I'm not sure how well you're going to do in reading it. So uh, we'll see how well this, I think, I'm going to bring them out, and they'll, they'll get bigger at a certain point. So hopefully we'll all be able to read them, because I'm thinking that myself. I need to be able to read all this, right? So there's our, our precious 18 kids from His Little Feet, and from uh, India and Rwanda. Oh, isn't that cool? So this is the final statement as I go through this little eight and a half by 11 sheet of paper that we're gonna have on the screen, which is uh, the gospel. So that's the finished uh, message of the gospel right there. And you're gonna notice that you guys are all over the gospel, right? Your face is all over. So let's go through that again. Watch this. Okay, now, now watch, watch, guys. See where you go. Oh, now... <laughs> That's fun. See, they're enjoying this. This is, this, is, this is good stuff. All right, now no peeking. We're going to go back to the beginning, and we'll, and we'll start uh, with, first of all, some scripture, and then we'll build out this incredible message of the gospel. For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things. That's Romans 10, 13 through 15. 
So the gospel, and we're going to add a little personal touch to the gospel. But I love the gospel. And a lot of people have a gospel that is true, but it's not full. It's not the complete gospel. And it's sort of a funny statement. It's not like it's harmful. Sort of like if I said the recipe for bread. And if I said, all right, uh, what is the recipe for bread? And one of you said, flour. I'd say, that's true. However, it's incomplete. In other words, if all you have is a pile of flour, you don't have bread. But you have a part of the bread. If all you have is flour, we all know that's not going to be very tasty, right? Take a spoon and eat your flour. It just doesn't sound very good, right? So now let's say salt, and we're going to add salt to it. So we mix around some salt in the flour. Not quite, right? There are ingredients that when put together are going to bring about this thing that we know as bread, hot from the the oven with that slab of butter sliding around on the top. Oh, that, what does that sound good, right? But what creates that impact? And for us, what creates that new creation in Christ? What creates that joy of salvation? What are the ingredients that are going to weave that together? And so we're going to use uh, the kids today, and we're going to bring together some ingredients that are going to build for us a robust picture. We'll stick a slab of butter on it and let it slide around. I mean, it's going to be good stuff. So what I typically will do is say I'm sitting down with someone in a coffee shop. I'll have a piece of paper, and I'll write God on it. And that's why I said this is one of those messages that would really help to see as opposed to hear but I'm going to put it right about there on the sheet of paper in the top middle to left. Uh, it's, it's not fully in the middle, but it's just off to the left a little because I have to make space for some things, right? And then I'm going to put a line down there. Actually, I'm going to fold the piece of paper and I'm going to put you. And it's, that's what it says. It says you up there, Y-O-U. And that's a little teeny thing next to God. I mean, you notice how small you are next to God? God's huge, right? And you're sort of small. And you're also created, you're a created being, which is why I'm going to fold this piece of paper. I'm going to show that there's a different realm. God is spirit, and that's going to be this part of the paper that he's on. And then this other part is going to be like this physical realm, like where you, this, you can actually see and hear and taste and touch. And that's the realm that we are in. And the way that God has created us is he created us in his image. So just imagine an invisible hand, okay? If this hand is invisible and it waved, you wouldn't see it, would you? You wouldn't be seeing it because it's invisible. But imagine that I stick a glove that is visible on top of that which is invisible. Now it waves. What do you see? You see the invisible hand waving, but not actually because you're seeing the invisible hand. It's because something in the invisible hand's image is resting upon it. What I just described is how God created us. God created us, though he's invisible in this realm, he created us in his image, that when we rest upon him and abide on him, that we actually have him in us, and when he moves, we move. So if he points, we point. If he waves, we wave. If he beckons, we beckon. But what happens if that glove rejects the hand? Now the invisible is not seen. And what do you think is happening with the glove? It's really not of much use if it's just sort of flopping around without a hand inside of it. What's the good of a glove without its hand? And we have a whole, a whole Olympic Games to show what a hand can do outside of a, I'm sorry, what a glove can do outside of a hand. We try and talk up all the amazing features of the calf skin power of 
uh, humanity outside of God. But outside of God, it can do nothing of eternal value, nothing of a supernatural nature. So you'll see that line down the middle, and you are on the other side of it, right? And everything is good, and there's harmony. God created us to have fellowship with him, and everyone's smiling. And there you are. See that picture of you? It sort of looks like you, don't you think? Uh, <laughs> some of the girls in here are like, uh, could you add a little hair? Uh, no, because then there'd be a few guys in here going, uh, excuse me. <clears throat> so we're just keeping the guy bald for now. You can just imagine the hair on there. All right, so now I'm going to add something on the right side. So uh, the man, little character of you, was drawn down in that bottom left-hand corner. But on the right side, you're going to see a big, huge, overstuffed chair. And, you know, we call the place God sits a throne. And yet a throne is sort of stiff and firm and not very cozy, right? I always like, so this is sort of a throne, but it's a throne father style, okay? Because when we think of a king, we think of stiff. When we think of a father, we think you know, welcoming. And so that's why I want to emphasize, though he is a king, I want us to emphasize the fact that he is known as father. And so I want this big overstuffed chair. It's really comfortable uh, in this chair. And that's where he sits. I know you can't see him. It's because, you know, no man has seen God at any time, right? And so he's invisible. And yet he's there. And that's where he sits. And that's where he longs us to be as well, is with him. And so he designed us for his presence. That's what he designed us for. So this is like what we call the holy of holies. This is where God lives. God's presence is quite amazing. And so it doesn't, it's not just described with one holy. It's described with three. Holy, holy, holy. And so let's look at some different features. Like look at that. I put a crown on the top. You, see that? you guys see that crown? Uh, it's, a, it's a pretty big crown. In Revelation 21 it says that he has crowns he has many crowns, so crowns upon crowns upon crowns. What does that mean? That means he's not just the authority or a authority. He's the authority over all authorities. So he is king of kings. He is lord of lords. He has all authority. You could use the term preeminence. You could use the word sovereignty. He has all authority. I'm also going to put a little uh, cluster of grapes. You guys see it there? There's a cluster of grapes there. What is that symbolic of? To the Jews, the blood or the juice of a grape is called the life of a grape. It's also called the blood, the blood of a grape. Isn't that interesting? And so to a Jew, that would be symbolic of life. And so for us, it's going to be symbolic of life. Where does all life come from? It comes from right there in that throne room. You see, God is the source of life. And if you don't have God, do you know that there is no life? You know what the absence of life is called? It's called death. You know that death, you can't measure it, you can't weigh it on a scale? It's just the absence of something. So when you remove life, you have death. God is life. And so as a result, when Adam and Eve are going to reject God, they are going to lose their life. But what sort of life they're losing is a spiritual life. Now look on the other side, you're going to see me put something, oh, it's a bolt of lightning. Oh, isn't that cool? Are you guys enjoying my drawing skills? It's pretty, pretty impressive stuff, I know. And so it's a bolt of lightning, which is symbolic of power, that God is the God that possesses all power. So he's king of kings, he's lord of lords, he has authority over all authorities, he's the source of life, and he's the source of power. And now, oh, this is a cool one, guys. I don't know if you can see it down by the, the feet of the chair, but there's rumble marks. 
And, you know, this is God's presence, which is symbolic of his holiness. I mean, when God's holiness is in the ascendant, read Isaiah 6, and I saw the Lord high and lifted up, and it's like the posts and the beams are shaking. Yeah, I like that. Okay, so God's very presence is holy, holy, holy. And so we have some rumble marks there just to sort of put you in the mood of what's happening here. Oh, no. What happened to you? You see, what I'll do when I'm sharing the gospel on this sheet of paper is remember I have a fold, a crease down that one spot. It's just about a third of the way in, maybe a quarter of the way in. And I'm going to, at a certain point, talk about the fact that men and women are going, or you, are going to reject God. We are going to disobey God. It's called the law of sin and death. God is going to give a command to Adam. And he's supposed to share it with Eve, his wife, right? He's going to say, hey, look at these two trees. And there was two trees in the midst of the garden. And God's going to pick this one tree, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and say, the day in which you eat of that, you would surely die. So don't. (laughs) It's basically the statement. Don't eat from this tree, because if you do, you die. That's the law of sin and death, which means you sin, you die. Right? You sin, you lose life. And so it's a pretty simple law, don't you think? And you would would imagine that... uh, Adam and Eve would be like, absolutely, there is no way I'm touching that. And yet it was very attractive to them. And there is an appeal to this, just as we have found in our life, that there's an appeal to living apart from God. Isn't that a strange statement? Yeah, it's death. It's true misery in the long run. But, you know, to be in control of my own life, is, it, it has a, an intrigue point to our soul. And so what I do is I fold that piece of paper, that, that side of the paper, under So we're symbolizing that on the screen by blackness because what's on the other side of that sheet of paper pressed against the coffee table? It's blackness, it's darkness. You're cut off from the light and that's exactly what's happening to us. You see, we have rebelled against God, we have rejected his word and turned away from him and now we're cut off from him. And what we are deserving of is eternal separation. That's actually what God is going to declare in his word. So... This God over in this chair off to the right side of our screen, what do we know about him? Well, we know he's the authority over all authorities. We know he has, he's the source of life, power, and holiness. But there's something else that's very, very important for you to note. This is so critical. So let's take a closer look at that chair. Oh, well, before we do, we're going to introduce a character onto the screen. And so this is Vena. Did I pronounce that correctly? Vena? What's it like being on the screen, Vena? Is that fun? Yeah, uh, this, is, this is a big role that you play too. Okay, so we're gonna give Vena a name. I think this is fun. He's gonna have a name and it's the Father's heart. So Vena, I want you to always cherish that, that God has given you his heart and that he wants to share this heart. Because listen to how important this heart is. Okay, so the first thing I want us to notate in the sharing of the gospel is it's not just that God is the authority. It's not just that he has the life and the power and he's holy, holy, holy. But there is an attribute of our father in heaven who sits in that seat, which is very, very important for the gospel. Look at this. There's a big heart there. Vena, do you see yourself in that heart? Yeah. See, you're revealing that heart to this world. And so that big heart is what moves God. This is for God so loved the world that he gave. You see, this world is cut off in blackness right now, right? It's folded under. Yet God is moved by love. 
And this is going to cause an action to God. If you truly love, it moves you. If you truly have God's love in you, you cannot sit by idly when someone is on the back side of that piece of paper folded under. It moves you to action. You must see that piece of paper come back into the light. Oh, look at this. Fiona is next, and she is called the standard bearer. Oh, Fiona, this is a huge role. Where's Fiona? Fiona, you look so similar to Lily, too. I don't know if any of you have noticed how similar she looks to Lily, which is obviously very significant to me since that's my daughter. So I already like you, Fiona. (laughs) So look at what God is going to do. Because God loves, he is going to give us a message. It's known as his word. Very specifically in the Old Testament, he is going to entrust to us his law. And you could say, well, how is that a blessing to us? You know how it's a blessing? You know what law is going to share with us? It's going to share something that we could not see otherwise, and that is that we are sinful, and we are in need of a Savior. You see, if you don't get the law, you don't recognize that you are against God, because the law is who God is. This is. He's saying, this is the way I am. This is the way your life is supposed to be. How are you doing? And we're like, well, I'm not matching up very well. He goes, exactly. What is that called? Sin? <laughs> That's right. It's called sin. And so as a result, our life is not matching up. Therefore, we need a Savior. So that law is actually an expression of God's love. Isn't that an amazing statement? Oh, there's Uase. Where's Uase? Oh, isn't it fun being up on the screen? And she is known as the humble. And so this is a great picture. Look at what God is going to do. You know what that law states? If you don't keep my law, you will be cut off. You are deserving of death. You will be accursed. So what is God going to do? He is going to give us the clarity of the judgment. And as we know, he is going to humble himself to actually take that penalty upon himself, which we're going to see in this next one. And this is Robert. Where's Robert? Oh, there's Robert. And Robert's known as the victor. That's your nickname. Isn't that a great nickname? And look at what God is going to do. He is going to clothe himself in our skin and he is going to be born as a little baby and he is going to be raised up and live without sin as a lamb of sacrifice and on Passover day of somewhere around AD 33 he is going to literally lay down his life on our behalf we should have died but he is going to die in our place and there we see Jesus on that cross so The heart of God is being expressed through giving us the law of God and the judgment of God at the cross because that's what we deserve. But then he is going to come in and he's going to hang upon it for us. You see, what he is doing is he is creating a way for us to get into that chair. That's where he wants us. But to get us into that chair, he has so much love, he can't just overlook sin. He needs to reveal sin to us through the law. Then he needs to judge sin. That's the cross. But then he is going to come and bear that judgment. Incredible. Oh, there's Ishami. Ishami. Where's Ishami? Oh, there you are, bud. So look at your name, the decision man. One of the statements that uh, Jim Elliott is going to say is that he wants to be a decision man, that everyone comes, that encounters his life has to make a decision for or against Christ. 
He doesn't want to be a guy who just, you know, pats people on the back and says, I'm sure you're fine. But he forces a decision. So that's you, bud. And so we have the decision man. Now look at this. This is the key decision. Whoa, did you see what just happened on the screen? That side of the paper that was cut off just opened up. Why? Because you, remember you down there, the bald character, looked up at that Christ. And did you see, look at that side. See his wounds? You see his side opened up? You see him, and as a result, when you look upon him, you call upon the name of the Lord, you are saved. And so the secret to actually entering the heart of God is to look upon Christ, to behold him and to say, that is my salvation. And you see you in that line, Ishame? Okay, so we have Francis, the bold. Where's Francis? Oh, there you are, bud. The bold. So look at this. Now, you have to look at this very carefully. What you're going to see is look inside of Jesus. You're going to see a little you in there. Isn't that cool? Francis, look at what you're helping ha make happen. The bold, when you boldly believe in Jesus Christ, you know what happens? You actually enter in through his wounds. It's like he wants to get you into the heart, so he makes a little doorway. And that doorway is faith in Christ. And when you believe in him and what he has done for you, you enter in through, if you want to say it this way, the wounds of Christ, in and through the cross of Christ, in and through the judgment and the law of Christ, in and to the heart of God, in and to the chair, in and to his very presence. How did you get there? Was it some great work that you did? No, it was some great work that he did. Oh, we have Emmeline. Is that correct? Where's Emmeline? Oh, Emmeline. Your nickname, clothed in him. Isn't that appropriate? And so, Emmeline, look at what we have now here. Over on the left side, see, the, see what we did with you and God up there? We put a circle around it and put sort of a binding agent there. You are being made one with God. Why? Because you turned to him and believed. And now, in your account... Your account was empty. If someone said to you, now what do you have in your account that would enable you to come into the kingdom of heaven? And you say, I have nothing. And yet when you believe in Jesus, you know that God adds to your account? He gives you things that you need to be able to enter into the kingdom of heaven. Well, what's that big R stand for? Righteousness. In other words, that you are right with God. And standing up against his law, you match it. And you're thinking, how can I match it? I don't look anything like it. It's because he has clothed you in his righteousness. He has given you what he did. His life lived is now yours. And that's in your account. All right. R R Radika. Where's Radika? Oh, there you are, bud. And your nickname is the giver of grace. What a, what a name. And so look at that. You see that river uh, up by, see where you went up there? God is going to give us a river. Now look at that line that was between you and the wounds in Christ. You see that it became a pipeline? And there's actually a little uh, gate valve on it that you can turn. That's because it's not just you looking upon Christ, it's that Christ in that throne room of grace has supplied you everything you need, but he needs to get it into you. So as you believe in Christ, he doesn't just clothe you in righteousness, but now he wants to give you himself. And it's called grace. It's also called the Holy Spirit. It's the working of God on our behalf. 
And so as a result, you see that pipeline. That's all of God coming into you. Oh, what an amazing reality. This is called the good news for a reason. Kooky. Spring of life. So watch what happens here, guys. Oh, the grapes are now in our account. Good job, Cookie, bringing those grapes over. We now have the life of God. So the grace of God has brought to us the life of God, and now we have the grapes from heaven in our very life. Amazing. Jisa? Jisa, where's Jisa? Oh, buddy, look at your nickname, The Empowered. Wow, that's a powerful name. Oh, the lightning bolt. The power of God is now in our account. What did you do to get the power of God? Uh, Not much. I believed in Jesus. That's what we do. Our job is to believe. Our job is to abide and to remain in him. And when we do, all of heaven is deposited within us. God desires to exercise his life in these bodies. It's an amazing reality. Uh, Omi, Omi, look at your nickname, Omi, after his heart. Well, that's, a, that's a great nickname. So look at this one. The heart of God. Remember the one that was in the chair? Where does it end up? Whoa, it ends up in me? The heart of God ends up in me? In you? And so you're after that heart, that desire to show the heart of God to the world around us. We have access to the very love of Christ so that we are not just trying to dig in our own pockets for some love. It's like, boy, see if I can whip up some love for this very unlovely person over here. You don't have love for that unlovely person, but you can have God's love in you for that unlovely person. Patrick, your nickname, where's Patrick? Hey, Patrick, look at your nickname, his smile. Oh, I like this one, guys. You're gonna really like Patrick's. Look at this. Now, he's right by the head. Now, look at that head that was bald, it still is, which fits Patrick really well. (laughs) But you guys see that smile? Did you guys see that smile? How did that smile get there? Have you ever desired to have the smile of heaven in your own life? You can have it in Christ. And so as a result, we are now the happiest people on earth, and there is no exaggeration to that statement. There is no one on earth that can compete with us. I remember seeing some Time magazine cover that said this Buddhist man, this is the happiest man on earth, and I took a personal offense to that. There is no way that some Buddhist guy is going to be happier than Eric Ludi. No way. Not on my watch. Dongdonga. Dongdonga. Do you remember what your name was last time we went through this? It was his passion. And look at what it is still. It's his passion. Look at that. See that heart? It's inside of you now. Look at that. That's Dongdonga there. You see, we actually now have the heart of God inside of us. Mediatris? Mediatris. Mediatris. There you are. Look at, look at this uh, name. This is a really, really special name to me. Kisser of his feet. I know at first it's sort of like, you know what, I don't know that I really like that one. I don't know that I want to kiss feet. It's kissing Christ's feet, just like Mary of Bethany did. In other words, she is going to showcase true heartfelt worship. 
she is going to bend down and declare that he is everything that she needs. And she's going to pour out her life because she knows that he is everything to her. Okay, that's a very, very special one. Look at where you're going to end up. By his feet. Isn't that a great spot to be? Right by the rumble mark over there. Moi Moya. Moi Moya. The royal one. Where's Moi Moya? Oh, buddy. The royal one. Look at look where you're gonna go. This is pretty cool. Whoa, you're up by the crown. Your life is meant to declare his majesty. The royal one. Isn't that neat that we get to share in his majesty? I mean, the king of all kings, and we get to hang out with him. I mean, I remember hearing the story of what was it, uh, John F. Kennedy Jr. Uh, who during the, the big debates that they had in the White House, Oval Office, all these important uh, members of the state are there and they're discussing the decisions for the Bay of Pigs. And under the Oval Office, the desk of the president is John F. Kennedy Jr., Johnny, I think that was his name, is that right? And he's like really going with a truck uh, under there. In other words, we get to share in his Oval Office. Esther, where's Esther. The worshiper, what a nickname. The worshiper, look where you get to go. Boom, to the other foot of the chair. This is where the true worshipers love to be. We love to be at his feet worshiping him. And David, David, I see you, bud. Child of the Almighty, look where you get to go. Everyone's gonna be jealous of where you get to go. Look at this. Boom, right in the chair. He gets to sit in the lap of the Most High God. <laughs> He's doing a little bragging down there. <laughs> oh, that's pretty cool. And then Sami. Or Sami, look at yours. Friend of God. Oh, that's pretty special. That's a great nickname. Uh, so right when David thought he had the best, I don't know. I mean, this, that's pretty good. Friend of God. Look at where you get to go. Boom. You get to hang out with God. That's pretty special. Not that the rest of you don't. Oh, did you guys see that? That's fun. Pretty special. Galatians 2.10. This is how we're going to finish. Paul and Barnabas are being sent out to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. We are being sent out to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. And listen to this little caveat that is given. Paul speaking. They only asked us, if I could say and add a, a few words to that, they only asked us one thing, which is such a strange statement. They only asked us this thing? Out of all the things that they could say, make sure you do this, make sure you do this. I mean, when your mom sends you off to school, what does she say? Make sure you tie your shoes, make sure you, you know, zip up your coat. They only have one thing on the list, and it's not what we would expect. They only asked us to remember the poor. The very thing I also was eager to do. We've been given a message. It's called the gospel of Jesus Christ. What a trust. First, we need to believe it. And when we believe it, we are transformed by it. And that heart in that chair ends up inside of us. What do we know about that heart in that chair? That heart in that chair cares for the lowest among us. It cares for the least. It cares for the vulnerable. 
This is something we know. You study scripture and you know the heart of God. God cheers on the underdog. He does. And as a result, so do we. And one of the things I just want to say thank you to you guys. Remember, this is in dedication to you. What you're doing is you're fighting for the weak and the poor. You may not always realize the significance because when you do it for many months, you sometimes can lose the significance of it. But there are so many children that don't have what you guys have had. And they're living in situations which are so difficult and destitute. And what you are doing is you're giving voice for them. So you're sharing the gospel where you're going and you're saying, I want you to remember those that come from circumstances like I came from. This is always going to be a significant part of your testimony. God has given you a trust, the gospel. But he's also taken what the enemy meant for evil in your life and he has turned it to good. That's an amazing thought that he is turning what the enemy tried to use to destroy you and he is turning it to good so that you can now use it as a strength to change the world in which we live. And for the rest of us, same is true. There's a lot of us in here that may have even arrived today with a limp. We've been hit hard in this life. Well, just like these kids were, turn it. Turn it. You are a carrier of the gospel. Utilize that injury, that trauma, that hurt, and allow God to turn it into a powerful demonstration of his love. You have access to that pipeline. All the grace of God, all the love of God desires to be implanted inside of you. Take it. Don't leave anything. Don't leave the gate valve closed. Open it up and say, Lord, I need all that you have. I can't live this life in my own strength. What an amazing reality we live in. The word good is a pathetic word to describe the good news. I mean, good, come on. This is extraordinary, bewildering, befuddling. There is no possible way that we can put a, a proper adjective to describe it. How do you describe this gospel? Good? Fantastic? Extraordinary? All of them fall short. This is the greatest news any human could ever hear. Let's cherish it afresh today. Father, we believe. We believe you. We believe that what you did on that cross was for us. And we believe that everything that we need for salvation is found right there in you. We believe that our sins are forgiven. We believe that we've been washed whiter than snow. We believe that we've been clothed in the righteousness of Jesus Christ and been brought into the heavenly realms and sat down with him in heavenly places. We believe that the grace of God has been imparted to us and that we have the Holy Spirit. We believe that the life and the power and the very love of God has been imparted to us. And we as the saints of God receive that today. Lord, may we go into this world with that very heart and that very smile. And may we be kissers of your feet. May we be worshipers. May we be revealers of your majesty. May we be friends of God.
Lord, we love you and trust you. It's in the precious name we pray. Amen. This message was brought to you by the team at Ellerslie Discipleship Training. At Ellerslie, we are laboring to rouse the Church of Jesus Christ out of its lethargy and build brave-hearted Christians for such a time as this. Listen to our weekend message live at 9 a.m. on Sunday mornings, or join us for Daily Thunder Monday through Friday at 8.15 a.m. For more information, go to live.ellerslie.com. We invite you to visit us at the beautiful Ellerslie campus in Windsor, Colorado for a day, a week, or an entire season of gospel-centered spiritual training. Learn more at ellerslie.com. Thanks for listening.